0: Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick.
1: and I'm Evan Novi Williams, and you're listening to a special Labor Day edition of your favorite sports business podcast, The Sportacast.
0: A Labor Day makes sense because you and I love the fact that I get to peek at you, and you know, on the video here, people don't see video when we when we air this; it's just the audio. But there you are in your parents' basement, and I will say I'm envious, and I'm guessing this is the way your dad is wired because of what you've told me about him. But he's got the pegboards. Everything is hanging neatly in its spot. He, he is ready to do work. He can find his tool quickly because what do they say? As long as you have the proper tool, you know, the job is easy. Your dad's got the proper tools, and they are, array- unlike me, where stuff is thrown in, you know, who knows, some garage, some tools, some basement, your dad seems to have a nice, nice system set up.
1: I am in the uh, Richard Williams sanctuary right now. And you're right. That is uh, exactly how my father has wired everything uh, exactly where it should be on the proper peg on the pegboard.
0: Um, and it's not a bad place to record. Yeah. Nice and quiet. Will Richard Williams be watching the NFL come Thursday night? Is he uh, Is he one of the throngs of the many, many millions that will be on couch, um, chicken wing in hand, ready to take in the NFL?
1: Almost definitely not. But as you said, there is uh, there are millions and millions of people who will be. Uh, every year, Scott, I feel like the NFL kickoff sneaks up on me. Uh, but as we record this right now, we're, we're three days away from Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and after what was obviously a, a tough 2020 for NFL teams financially, a lot of teams played with severely limited capacity. I would argue now that that potentially a Delta variant is, is a variable here, but but there are a lot of business tailwinds, Scott, moving in the right direction for the NFL right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've got the biggest star in the game, with apologies to maybe a quarterback in Kansas City and, and some others, but you know TB12, uh, that, that guy's known all around the world. And to put him in prime time to start against the Cowboys... And we do, we'll tease this. How about this, Evan? We do have our NFL valuations coming out later in the week. That'll hit Wednesday. And I don't think Kurt Boddenhausen, our resident genius, will be upset if I give wink, nod to a certain team with a blue star on its <laughs> helmet that perhaps maybe could be, don't know, foreshadow end up in the number one position in terms of most valuable teams. Uh, and a lot of that is I'm shocked. it's like local <laughs> revenue. Yeah, but you and I know, and I still wonder if people really know how it works. Like the difference maker is how you take advantage of the local revenue because you keep a lot of that. A lot of that is not shared with the others. But the NFL, when you're talking about the collective, like you go way back to Wellington Mara and the Giants, understanding that you got to play somebody. It's not good if the Giants make X more or think they, they are so much more important than Green Bay or anybody else. So everybody on the National level sh- shares that evenly. And, and every year we get a peek of that with, with the Green Bay Packers and their disclosure. And you see just how good life is in the NFL. If you just had the national money, if you didn't sell a single T-shirt, ticket, hot dog, beer at your stadium, life is still pretty darn good as an NFL owner.
1: Yeah, we talked about this when we when we discussed the Packers' earnings and their revenue. The salary cap for players is well below what every team gets in that check from national revenue. So as you said, even before any team sells a single ticket, a single parking pass, a single piece of food, um, and a single piece of merchandise locally, um, they're already overhitting what they need to pay their players and, and then some. Uh, and you're right, the Cowboys are kind of the perfect example, I would say, of what a modern day sports franchise business looks like. They're getting money from the league via media deals. They have a brand or relatively new stadium that's flashy and glitzy and allows them to maximize uh, specialty seats and and VIP and suites and boxes, et cetera. Then they are also in the real estate game. They have a a, a building in Frisco. I don't know if you saw that great drone footage uh, from a week ago Oh, you beat me to the drone footage. Yeah, you beat me. I thought that drone, I mean, outside of it being really cool, shows off just how amazing that entire complex is, right? It is a practice facility. It is gyms. It is retail. There's a hotel. There's housing. I believe there's a hospital on site. They, they do The esports team is there. It just shows off exactly how the Cowboys are so much more than just an NFL team that plays on Sundays. They're doing all the things that most sports teams are doing to maximize their revenue right now.
0: Entertainment platform businesses, right? Not just sports teams. And let me see if you're with me on this, by the way, because up until what I'm about to mention, the Cowboys drone video, go, and the amazing part is like flying in the doors and out of the, like they do, a really, you know, it's really cool. But uh, up until that, like that was the best video of the week until the other one. You know which one I'm talking about? Did you see the second one? Uh, you didn't? Hmm. All I right. I'm going to send you to the Google, and everybody else, the listeners, <laughs> go Google Red Bull Plane Tunnel, and I believe okay. in Istanbul. I believe it was in Istanbul. It's like the first time someone flew a plane through a tunnel. Okay. And it's, it's 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 terrifying. Like a plane. <laughs> you know, one, oh, you oh you already have that, it up. You, you, that's you, cool. Yeah. Right. It's for me. Uh, just watching terrifying. it, I'm terrified. Like. One more rung, like five feet to the right, left, up, down. You're, it's 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 Crash City. But this is a man right? plane.
1: Oh, it is a man plane. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. In there. Whoa, yeah.
0: that's cool. Yes, that's a cool video. Right. Give me more. So of that. no offense to the that. Dallas Cowboys and the drone, but that one I thought <laughs> took took the top. But we talked about it before, Evan. Like, if I'm an executive now and I'm looking for a job, a big time sports job, I don't want to go to a team that has its media all set up. It's stadium and real estate all set up. That to me, in, in the sports business world, that's the exciting stuff right now. What do I do with my brand? You know, the team's the centerpiece, but now how do I scale that business? Is maybe even with sort of an accelerator. What can I do in ticketing? What can I do in sports betting? Uh, did, did you wonder how long we could go without saying sports <laughs> betting? Right? Bingo. <laughs> so nobody, nobody, by the way, gonna make more money off the folks at home, uh, betting on their phones, wherever allowed, uh, than the NFL. And they've jumped in with both feet finally.
1: Yeah, and we discussed that on the podcast earlier. I mean, we, we can rattle off the when I said there were there are a bunch of tailwinds right now for the NFL sports betting is obviously a big one. Sports betting will add billions to league revenue uh, probably this year, but but certainly in the coming years. There's a long-term labor piece, Scott, which as you know is pretty critical in terms of attracting sponsors and attracting big media deals.
0: The, the and TV then, deal, yep, everything predicated on that labor piece, exactly.
1: Yep. And then earlier this year, 115, I believe, is the number 115 billion dollars of TV deals that are going to give teams that steady, reliable, guaranteed income uh, for the next 11 years. I think for those TV deals, Uh, it does seem like, you know, everybody was hurt by the pandemic. I would argue the NFL maybe a little less so than other leagues because they don't rely as heavily on the ticket sales side of their business. But provided that they are able to have relatively full or full uh, audiences, full pack stadiums this, this fall, it certainly feels like the NFL is is heading into, I think a pretty big commercial year. One last thing I'll say, the college football kicked off in earnest this past weekend. The early ratings that I've seen are tremendously good. I can imagine that makes the NFL extremely happy as well. It certainly seems like there's appetite for football coming back right now. And if, you know, college football ratings are good, the NFL ratings are are four or five X usually. So
0: absolutely and best college football video forget about the results and the scores whatever you know that every every year i laugh in in college football it's always well this is the most important game of the year and you get every week, the next week is the most important game of the year. Like, oh, wait, next week. It's always the, the most important game of the year. But you know what? They've sold people on that hook, line, and sinker. So they got to tune in. It's, it's a great system. But best video, which do you know where I'm headed here? College football, best video. I,
1: my, my gut says it's the Enter Sandman from Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman Vatech. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. The, I mean, I was really nervous that just the bleachers were going to collapse. Like everybody jumping up. At the, what I, I, I believe always, it like,
1: registered on the seismogram in, in Blacksburg. I think Not whatever surprised. like the earthquake monitor was, yep. you could kind of see it on the, on, on the waves, on, on the graph, which is pretty cool.
0: Well, uh, the audience was expanding. The interest was expanding. Now the Big 12 may be expanding as I well. I see what you did there. In, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. In, in this shakeup of college football, obviously the biggie. It, there's always the big chief dynamo or um, domino, and then everything else you know falls into place. We have Oklahoma and Texas going to... The SEC, which may just be more powerful than the NCAA at this point. We'll see what the fallout is. And we've discussed that and we will continue to follow. Um, But now the Big 12, uh, absent this sort of deal that we have ACC, Pac 12, Big 10, whatever it may morph into, who knows? But the Big 12 was sitting there saying, uh like, we need, again, this always seems like we need to do something. But you tell me, Cincy, USF, BYU, Houston, like, is that enough heft? for me to care about the big 12. And I I see from your face, you're like, yeah, I don't know it's a, it's, a, it's a good question.
1: so so the big twelve was in this ki- kill killer be killed mode right now. I mean, you, you nailed it. The SEC is getting stronger and will be the strongest conference. The other three power five schools that aren't or power five conferences that aren't the big twelve form their alliance. They want to work together. they want to vote together. It left an eighteen big twelve that was losing its two biggest superstars and and what does that mean? Do they expand and get bigger or do they get poached off and and essentially disappear? It certainly seems like they're going the the poaching route. They're, they're going to try to expand. It sounds like it's moving fairly quickly, as you said, uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston. These are probably four of the best college football programs that aren't currently uh, in the power five. I mean, the, the, this is the calculus, right? The, these leagues share their their money evenly, generally from from media. So adding these four schools will definitely make the, the big 12's media valuations more valuable. The, the next TV deal will be better as this 12 team, than it would be as the eight team, but you're dividing that pool up by 12 teams now instead of eight. So, is the incremental value of adding these four schools does that better than offset the the difference between dividing it by eight and dividing it by 12? That's the calculus they have to think right now, and this is a survival mood. Look, this is not <laughs> if you had asked Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner eight months ago, is this a good result for you, losing Texas and, and Oklahoma and adding these four schools? The answer is obviously no. But this is essentially what what they are right now. They, they have to do something. And if adding the other four, kind of the next tier of good schools outside the Power Five is the way they think that's going to happen, this certainly seems like that route.
0: Please allow me my self-deprecating 30 seconds uh, of soliloquy here. If there are any Paul Feinbaum fans listening to this, like they will... Firmly put face in palm because if you tell me you rattle off these four schools, all right, like I, I should probably know some of these players because, well, why not? But when you cover the business of it all, you know, I'm not so concerned about who's playing quarterback, who's winning, where they're ranked. The two out of four schools, there's only two names that jump out at me right now looking at this, and that's David Klingler and Ty Detmer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right. right, all right. I'm not going back to Jim go, McMahon. Go D- right, D- I get it. it. I, okay. Yeah, but yeah, but David Klingler and Ty Detmer, are the two that come to mind. So you can not, see not we are portals. we are firmly for. <laughs> I am. I'm in my. Nobody accuses me of of meandering out of my lane, Novi Williams. I am in my lane covering the business of, and I'm not too worried about. I don't know who the quarterback at BYU, Houston, UCF. San, I have no idea. Worth mentioning here,
1: three of these schools, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston compete right now in the American conference. As you know, Scott, Mike Oresko, the commissioner of the American yep. has spent the last five years essentially arguing that his conference should be in the power, power six. Five. Yeah, six. exactly. Yep. They, they should be in that bubble. Um, part of that argument was the success that Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati are having in, in college football. The, the UCF folks will tell you they won a national championship three years ago when they went undefeated and weren't invited to the uh, to, to the playoff. Um, but this now puts the hot seat on on the American. If the Big Twelve is going to poach three of their highest profile best football teams, now suddenly it puts them on the on the hot seat that was suddenly that, that was prior on on the Big Twelve. So I don't think we've seen the end of this realignment. I imagine UCF loses the the, the American loses these these three schools and suddenly they're looking elsewhere to see who they can potentially add um but it does certainly seem like the the upheaval is going to continue at least moving forward for a few more months or maybe even longer
0: speaking of upheaval didn't UCLA win a big game like I thought I thought Pac-12 football was terrible Beat LSU I mean Larry Scott must be sitting there going what are you kidding me now now UCLA is beating LSU in big time (laughs) games like George (laughs) Kleivakov is going what this is great you know what we should have done? We should have all our media. We should have kept, oh, wait a minute, we do. (laughs) (laughs) All they need now is like USC to win some games and back there.
1: UCLA beating LSU is very good. Uh, top 15 Washington losing to Montana. Uh, very bad. <laughs> I think it would, I think you'd call this weekend a, a mixed bag if you were uh, the Pac-12 right now. Um, but yes, no question. The, the, the Pac-12's business is infinitely better when USC and UCLA are very good. And it looks like both those teams are at least better than they, they maybe have been in, in previous years. And that's great for George and great for the Pac-12. All
0: right. You went document digging last week and you found a little nugget in some filings out of Sport Radar, one of our favorite data companies, uh, sports betting company, Goliath, uh, that the NHL, as part of its deal, can take equity in the company that, by the way, is planning its IPO. How much are we talking about? Yeah, so
1: when when you and I, uh, we broke this story, what this was, 12, 13 months ago, Scott, it was it was the previous summer that and the NHL had awarded Sport Radar its its long-term exclusive data contract. We had a feeling that, that equity was going to be involved. I don't think we fully nailed down the details. But as you said, Sport Radar is now we, going we public. We were also
0: looking SPAC, right? So we were thinking Radar and SPAC with Ty like Horizon. Right, yeah.
1: Now that it's not going SPAC or now that they're at least being, going serious about being public, they're sharing a lot of mon- document and information with the SEC. A lot of those documents are slowly becoming public. So Brendan Coffey, our colleague, and I looked through the F1 um, earlier this week. We saw, oh, the details of the NHL Sport Radar contract or, or equity agreement are written into the contract. Uh, and what we know right now is that it seems as though the NHL, through three different avenues, has the option of buying up to almost 2% of Sport Radar right now. The, the valuation on those options is around $6.5 billion. If you do the math there, I think it's a little under $100 million. The big question now for the NHL, because th- th- these are prices that are set in stone. If Radar IPOs and it IPOs at ten billion dollars, which certainly seems possible, that was around the valuation mm-hmm. yeah. that they were talking with investors a couple months ago. Suddenly, that ninety million dollar worth of equity almost doubles right off the bat for the NHL. Um, so you know, they're not the first league that would own equity in Sport Radar. The NFL does from a previous deal, um, but it shows you this is what and Fanatics I think has done this so very well as well. A lot of these companies that that partner with leagues, one of the ways they kind of sweeten the pot is they're going to give equity. And, and if those companies turn into a fanatics or a sport radar that are quadrupling, quintupling in value over the past three or four years, that's a massive windfall for the owners of those leagues.
0: Well, we have heard leagues and players, leagues and partners refer to themselves as we are partners in this. This is really the only true way for that to happen. I understand there's like a rights fee, we'll pay you X, you can use our service, but when you've got skin in the game and that's why we've heard Michelle Roberts try and figure out a way to get nba players equity in teams we know there are myriad problems and i'm guessing nfl players would probably feel the same way when they see the valuation of these assets that skyrocket like how are we real partners we keep talking about partnerships and then it's always like well we didn't make out so well in our labor talks and they got a better deal so this is one way to ensure that those that sort of animosity doesn't happen. Uh, you're you're giving them real ownership in something, and and both sides have reason to see it flourish. So I think we're just going to see more and more of it. And and teams, by the way, with these companies, you you want you want to do a deal? Fine, give us equity. You know, we don't we don't need a payment. It's it's a but we're seeing a lot in the tech space that just give us equity. Um, because not only is it core to what business we have, but we think because of the popularity of sports, we can scale it outside of this initial use. So we're going to see more and more of that happening as well.
1: Yeah. And, and, and in areas, tech is a good example. Sports betting is another one where you just know that the business is growing because more and more states are legalizing it. There's more opportunity for the big players in the space. The NFL now has equity in sport radar and equity in draft and, and equity in not DraftKings. sorry, in, in genius sports. Those are the two massive sports betting data providers right now. They're they're, they're kind of the giants going head to head. Um, It gives the NFL kind of options in both those companies as, as they continue to grow. It's a really nice way, as you said, Scott, for one, to kind of grow your business long term and two, to help kind of create incentives for both groups to work together. The fact that the NHL and Sport radar, are, or the NHL is an equity holder is certainly going to make them, you know have a, have a bigger stake and a bigger interest in Sport Radar's growth as well. And that helps Sport Radar when it's dealing with its partner. So a lot of ways it kind of aligns the priorities long term.
0: Since you brought up Genius, we should say as part of our uh, Sportico Live valuations event, uh, Genius is, is helping us a, as far as sponsoring that event. and Steve Bornstein, which recently joined the company's head of North America, former NFL executive. Uh, former ESPN executive. So if you have a Mount Rushmore, we've discussed Steve before. If you have a Mount Rushmore of TV, um, he's right there. Um, And Kevin LaForce used to be in charge of the NFL's private equity group, 32 Capital, um, now at Redbird Capital. So we're going to have a nice conversation with Kevin and Steve about sports betting, about data, how do leagues and teams and these partners go about monetizing this? And we're still sort of If we're in the baseball analogy, we're in the early part of the game, right? This is not the ninth (laughs) inning of sports. This is going to fuel revenue growth for teams and leagues for years to come.
1: Absolutely, and and let's change gears here, Scott. Speaking of sports media and Steve Bornstein, a new sports documentary starting to come in the works about a topic that I, you and I meant to talk about on the podcast last week. I don't believe we ever had a chance to um, the, the the back and forth and the multi layer story of Bishop Sycamore, the quote unquote uh, high school that is playing college, uh, that is playing high school football right now. I don't even know where to begin with this story. I'd like to think that some of our listeners may have known or read a little bit about it, but I'll give kind of the nuts and bolts right here and we can dive into the interesting stuff. Um, Bishop Sycamore was in a nationally televised game uh, on the ESPN family of networks against IMG, which is one of the best high school football teams in the country. Bishop Sycamore got blown out in that game uh, to the point that the ESPN announcers were almost kind of making fun of and questioning whether these two teams should have been on the field against each other at all people on the outside, journalists, started doing some digging. turns out that Bishop Sycamore is not even a a real high school right now. They had played a football game two days earlier in which they had also been blown out. The more details that come out about what Bishop Sycamore is, it seems like it is not even really a diploma mill, Scott. It is a group of people that were making promises to fairly good athletes about both their own pro careers and also a school that would be built in the future. They duped a marketing company, which in turn duped ESPN everything about this feels like the the culmination of all the bad things about youth sports. You know this well, world very well from a hockey perspective. Um, what are we supposed to take from the, the Bishop Sycamore saga and really what it says about both youth sports and also the way that we commercialize them?
0: I don't think we take away anything that we didn't already know. It's just sort of this this big example. This, is, this was interesting because the game was on ESPN and that gets the attention of course. And the espn says well we outsource our high school work to that paragon sports so we don't do the due diligence we count on somebody else to do it um this uh, this school had like apparently played another game a couple of days earlier yep so yeah you're just wondering you know who's trying to capitalize who's being taken advantage of but you you said it right like i i see this all the time in in the youth sports that time magazine had the cover of youth sports and whatever like whatever the billion dollar industry is yeah you you see tournaments have relationships with hotels, and it's, it's set up so that teams have to travel and spend an extra day in those hotels, and you know there's some money going both ways. Um, the the, world, the Little League World Series was just on, you know, now we're talking 12-year-olds, right? So we're putting 12-year-olds on TV, and yes, it'd be nice to think, oh, the purity of sport, they're 12, they're this and that, but there's big-time money-changing hands here. So, I mean, if we're talking about airing events for 12-year-olds, who in the world can be surprised that top level high school football would get this kind of treatment when you've seen, everybody's seen Friday Night Lights, right? You know, Texas football stadiums are $50 million stadiums. You, you, you know, so there are bond offerings to pay for these big facilities. So it's just, it's not a surprise at all. It's just an interesting story because ESPN was involved. How did we get here? And I'm happy that Kevin Hart, yeah, you know, the funny man, Kevin Hart and Rich Paul, LeBron's agent. They're going to make a docu-series docu- out of this, and we'll see if we can get some of those questions answered. Um, and another thing so sort of, it just gets interesting because of what it is, uh, Randolph Morris, former NBA player, went to Kentucky, and we, we wrote this story. Mike McCann, good job on this, that he had played basketball in China. Uh, he did his taxes on sort of like the H&R Block platform. He disclosed zero in foreign income and... The way Kentucky works is you have to if you if you play in China, you know, that's income from overseas. He he declared zero. And, and guess what? Um, he had a Oops. conversation. Yeah, he had a conversation with the IRS over FaceTime. And this was his decision. He's so long story short. I don't even know. Like, we're just bringing this up because it's interesting. If you didn't see it, like, go check out the story. So he's in a wee bit of trouble. You know, he faces a bunch of charges. Um, because he did not declare this income. Uh and, and because w- one of the entities was in Kansas, but he lives in Kentucky, it's like interstate fraud. It, yeah, it's just it's just a mess. Um, so I, I would say go check it out. It's all over four, four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars worth of taxes he would owe on the thirteen million he was paid in China. One of the things
1: I find so interesting about this story is that you you hear all these stories about professional athletes who go and play. Elsewhere in the world and get stiffed on their money. You, you, hockey players playing in Russia, Samuel Eto'o, when, when he moved over uh, to play in Russia, you, you hear it in soccer players in China all the time as well. You don't hear the other story, which is players who get paid the full amount when they go overseas and then don't declare it uh, in the right ways here back in the U.S. Um, so, yes, a, a lot of things in that story that I think you can learn from about the proper ways to, to to do that business. But I think a really interesting angle that, no, I've never really thought about at all, right? The, all these athletes that go and play overseas, kind of what they owe back in the U.S. and, and how much that matters and what state they're in, also obviously a huge one.
0: I, I can just see him sitting down at his sort of, you know kitchen counter and opening his laptop hnrblock.com and you know just putting it in like you might want to get some professional advice when doing this sort of you know I, I work in one country i live in another maybe get a little bit of advice maybe solicit some help Anyway, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soschnick on the Twitter at Soschnick. Our social media editor is Core Veltman. She likes me to remind you that the show is at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon, emphasis on soon, be the Sportico Podcast Network.